Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Got another dude! What's better than this? Guys being dudes. Dudes to the right, dudes to the left, stuck in the middle with you. Got another dude! Heisman Trophy, Bronco Nagurski Award, Ultimate Dudes. Got another dude! O-Line U, bunch of dudes. Lot of dudes. Yeah! Another dude in the house! Welcome to the Lot of Dudes podcast, presented by 4th and Dude, in Boston College 24-7. Special edition, bowl preview episode. Just 25 short days ago, the Boston College Eagles were flying high at 7-2 and in a top 20 ranking. Fast forward to December, and a three-game losing streak later, and the superfans' pitchforks are aimed squarely at Coach Adazio's head. Following the blowout to Q's on Thanksgiving weekend, the Eagles dropped to 7-5 and on the year, and are officially headed to Dallas for the Serve Pro First Responders Bowl. On today's episode... We'll break down what went wrong versus the Orange, have what I imagine will be a heated debate as we bring Coach Adazio's future into the courtroom, and preview what the Eagles need to do to punch out Boise State on Boxing Day. Matt. That's, that's pretty good. I like that one. Uh, look, I, Matt, what a, what a terrible and tumultuous last three weeks to be a BC football fan. After all the highs we had, uh, like you mentioned, dreams of New Year's in Epcot or anywhere else, Nashville, Tier 1. It has all come crashing spectacularly down, uh, and I think that I can say that finally, after 11 years of this, BC football has officially broken my spirit, uh, and that's a tough thing to admit. Yeah, I'll tell you what, it, was, it wasn't you know exactly the ending of the season that we all envisioned, um, but you know you think back to, uh, to what, November, November 8th or 9th, whatever the, the Clemson game was, tell you what, things were great, Matt. And uh, it just, you know, sometimes it doesn't work out in your favor. You get some injuries, you get some bad breaks that go your way, you finish the season seven and five. I understand everyone's frustrated, but at the end of the day, that there's a lot of good things going on. And, uh, you know, despite the three-game losing streak, it'd be great to close it out with a W against Boise. Before we talk Boise, we should probably get into the disaster that was Syracuse. Well, yeah, and, uh, and, and, and just weekend. for, again, just to, so, to make sure people don't turn this off right away because they just don't want it to be a dad's love fest for the next uh, 60 minutes. I want to be very clear that Matt and I here could not have much further uh, different opinions on this subject. So uh, I am going to come at him with facts in a little bit. But uh, beyond that, I think, uh, yeah, don't don't let don't let that little soliloquy speak for both and of I'm gonna, us. Uh, I'm going to come back uh, at Matt with with emotion mostly. Yep. So <laughs> yep. we'll see how that works out. <laughs> Um, little other house cleaning here. So obviously no episode last week. I think we both kind of expected news on Adazio either way uh, early in the week. So we wanted to wait for that. But in classic BC fashion, there has still actually to this day been zero announcement or transparency. So uh, we figured no better time. Than the- what are you talking about? What do you what do you mean transparency? Like to, to, I, to, I didn't to see come out- I didn't see I didn't see Virginia Tech make an announcement or or Wisconsin or any of the other programs that you know, had worse records than we I mean, did. You I, don't at, think, you at, I don't think Martin. USC I don't think Martin is the comparison. 
Okay, that was one program that made an announcement. There, no one else did that. There have been there have been rumors all over the message and it, boards. And by the way, they went five and seven. There have yeah, been rumors think, all over Martin, the message boards of an extension. And we can't start yelling at each other this early. But I don't think Martin reads the message boards. I'm just trying to do yeah, house. But again, I'm saying, he's got, I think he's got bigger stuff going. But there on. are rumors. There are rumors from Blodge and other journalists that you know that oh, extensions he's are. Gonna, he's going to respond to Blodge. Are you kidding? I'm me? I'm just saying, if there is an extension happening, you need to actually confirm that. Uh, and again, rather than just like having your fan, and we'll, and we'll get into it because this is too early to be yelling. I'm just trying to clean the house here, Matt. I have house cleaning to do. I know. I apologize. Unreal. Keep going. But anyways, uh, so we want to you know get back on the Mac and, and Mike and and cover everything that we missed. We also happen to be recording this during the humongous uh, BC Hoops game against Providence right now. We're up uh, six with 17 minutes left, so no spoilers. I guess how the rest of the game uh, goes from the rest of you guys. Yeah, from here on out, as we get into the off season, we'll obviously no longer be on a weekly schedule, but. Uh, from time to time, may have to you know get back on the mic for any major stories or or hoops updates. But uh, we'll stay very active on Twitter and the like uh, in the meantime. But with that, I guess let's get into Qs. I am so not excited to talk about this game. Uh, I mentally had already erased everything about it and the end of our year from my mind. Uh, congrats on a big win for your team, though. I know you've been a big Qs guy and, and Dungey guy all season long. Yeah, I mean, and, and that's to sum it up. That's what happened. We got Dungey. We got Eric Dungey uh, on Thanksgiving Saturday. He's like a he's like a he, he's such a specimen, Matt. He's like a borderline Heisman contender that no one's talking about. But you guys all saw the game. But just to, to throw some stats at you, he passed for 364 yards, uh, three touchdowns, ran for another three touchdowns. Um, our defense really looked out of sorts for, for much of the game. Um, and that's what Eric Dungy does to you. He's sort of impossible to prep for because no one in the country plays like Eric Dungy. Offensively, we showed some flashes, but you know, overall, poor QB play. A lot of turnovers, bad execution, uh, some drops. Really, uh, really wasn't the senior day that I think a lot of us envisioned having. It seemed like we, we just couldn't get up for the game for whatever reason. No fans were, were there, uh, per usual, but I guess our guys should be used to that by now. But overall, just a, a disappointing way to end the regular season. Talked about all the guys that, you know, are moving on after this year. It's, it's really the, the heart and soul of our team, or, or you know, mo- for the most part, our seniors to, to show up or, or really not show up was pretty disappointing to say the least. Yeah, it was, it was honestly, I, th- I think a lifeless performance from all sides, barring a few early offensive flashes, but especially on the defensive side, there was nothing there. It literally was like we weren't even remotely prepared for an up-tempo offense, which, you know, honestly may have been true if we pushed all of our eggs into the DeVito is starting basket, which I think would be a pretty pathetic excuse because at no point was that, uh, I think at, at you know it was just kind of Dungy was questionable and and to not be prepared for that would be uh, pretty unexcusable honestly. But multiple defensive plays where we had either twelve or ten guys on the field, uh, all of the offside jumps on you know third and I don't know if any of them were on fourth down. And we'll talk about you know Adazio and, and you know kind of I guess the future in a little bit. But I mean to me this is really the first time I think I can say that it seemed like the players you know quit on this game. I think historically that hasn't been the case. They've, they've been fired up, but. His body language, I think, kind of said the same. He almost kind of just seemed resigned to, look, this game's just out of hand. Uh, you had C.J. Lewis not fighting for that uh, ball on fourth down over the middle. Just seemed like everyone mailed it in after they got, you know, Dennis, a little bit down. Yeah, Luke, really disappointing. Yeah, I, I was going to bring up the C.J. Lewis. And I don't want to, you know, beat him to death too badly. He's a freshman. He'll learn, right? But, you know, that key – was it third down? It was, that was, it was a, a fourth key down. play, no, right? it was a fourth down play. Yeah, it was fourth, right? It was, it was a key play where, um, you know, he needed to get to the sticks. And he was open, but he was uh, he was scared. He was he was scared to go over the middle. Just stuck a hand out, kind of half-assed it. Lucas Dennis also had a had a you know sort of a maybe not an interception opportunity, but he, he you know could have batted down the ball certainly on uh, probably the third or fourth uh, touchdown. It ended up being just got to get your hands up there or at least you know make an effort. 
you know, injuries hurt, right? We lost, you know, obviously AJ early on. We lost Zach Allen. We lost, we lost Wyatt Ray. Those are a few of our best players, obviously. So it's, it's always going to be tough to play a, you know, a ranked opponent when your key guys are down. But, and, and this is the first game where I'll just say it. We, we got out coached too. And part of it might be, you know, Scott Loeffler had his foot out the door. But, you know, talk about just an offensive, offensive ineptitude. We were, we were, you know, five for 15 on third down, which I think has been the, the stat every single game this year, Matt. I don't think we've ever gone above, uh, you know, 33% conversion rate on third down, which isn't going to get it done. But, but, you know, once, once Dylan went down, we kind of knew we were in trouble. Bailey was ineffective. There was also just a couple of flute plays, right? I mean, the kicker forcing the fumble on Mike Walker. Dungy had like the most Dungy play ever where, you know, we got pressure to him and he was falling down and, and made that, you know, that ridiculous throw from his knees. He threw that, you know, strike 30 yards down the field to complete it. So I don't know. It, it was sort of just across the board. Things weren't really going our way. You know, the injury bug, the the penalties that you touched on, but just a, a really disappointing performance across the board offensively. And even more concerning, because it's really the first time it's happened all year, was the defense, right? Uh, we had a couple blown coverages downfield. The first touchdown was pretty much an identical play to what lost us the Florida State game. You would have thought that, you know, we would have been able to, you know, kind of learn how to, uh, how, to how to defend that. Uh, there was a couple runs right up the middle, and uh, I don't know. It was just... Uh, Q's had our number all game and we were not prepared. We didn't execute. And um, this, it's really the first time that I've been disappointed and, un, and really unable, unable to defend not only Adazio, but the assistants. And, you know, like you said, it just seemed like the players quit. Well, that's bad timing for you to be unable to defend him because I think he needs your back more than ever right now. Before you got into the part about him being out coach, that was like he took the uh, script right from him. You know, tough game, a lot of injuries, youth and, you know, whatever, whatever. But uh, yeah, it, it was it was absolutely pathetic to watch, uh, and it was you know it, it's it's frustrating when it's the last game of your season like this because it leaves such a terrible taste in your mouth, especially after Florida State. Uh, but beyond that, it was a huge loss for bowl placement. Uh, we'll probably discuss it in a little bit. We get kind of lucky that we ended up in Dallas, and and you know to be honest, I think we probably were more deserving of a Detroit or Shreveport, but. Uh, that's a game that if we win, we are locked into the tier one, uh, which since we can't do pinstripe because we've been there like every single year since inception would have been going to be Nashville would have been. Yeah. Right in Nashville, a sun bowl, like something pretty awesome. You know, we, we, I guess kind of escaped the worst with Dallas, but overall, right. A huge loss for, for that side of things as well. So I'm cool with moving on if you are, because that was uh, pathetic all the way around. And if it's, I, I'd rather not have to think about it again, if I don't have to. Yeah. I mean, at, at the end of the day, right. You know, it's not the season we expected, and it's it's a really disappointing way from the high that was, you know, right before the Clemson game, uh, to fo- to follow it up with, you know, two really bad losses against Florida State and uh, in Syracuse. So I understand why people are frustrated and why everyone's calling for Daz's head. But at the end of the day, you know, we're going bowling, right? We're seven and five, which you know isn't great. Don't have don't have the we're be, we're going bowling be the reason that you should stay. If you want to make salient points in a little That's bit, we can I'm do saying. so. But That's not what I'm saying, but. You know, as, as a whole, we're seven and five. You know, we had a couple, you know, good wins against Virginia Tech and Miami, right? So the whole season is a complete failure, but obviously the way we, the way we ended it was disappointing. Well, I kind of will, and, and, and only because, I mean, we can run the tape back and see how this first episode went. We said with this team and with this roster, and I guess I'm stealing this a little bit from my, from my dad's segment in a little bit, but with this team and this maturity on this roster, I think we would have both been disappointed with anything less than eight wins. And, and I think we both said really, you know, nine and three is a number that we need to call this year a success. And that was at the time when we still expected great things out of Miami, Vatek, Florida State. And that four game stretch, you know, was going to be a disaster. And we said, if we can get out of there two and two, we're, 
we're lucky, uh, which we ended up doing, but I certainly don't think that happened with the knowledge we had. If we knew coming in how bad the ACC was uh, and, and, and you know, how talented this team was and, and they lived up, the players certainly lived up to the hype, right? 13 all ACC players. But Matt, that's, it's all that was assuming a healthy Dylan and, and without a healthy Dylan, I think you would agree changes our entire season. Well, to be honest, and, I think if we think, do that episode over without a healthy Dylan, then we probably would have said seven and five. I, I, first of all, maybe, I don't, I, I don't think that's, I don't think that's true at all, especially with the offensive line, which was really the, uh, obviously Dylan's a phenomenal running back, but the, you know, just as important is how good the offensive line was supposed to be. Uh, they regressed, I'd say, you know, a, a decent amount with the exception of a couple guys. But, you know, but behind a offensive line that we expected to be one of the best in the country, you know, a guy like uh, Levy and Bailey, and they showed flashes when they got the opportunity to do so, should still have been able to perform. And in this ACC, uh, seven and five to me really hurts. Again, we're going to get into this in, in much greater detail in a little bit, I'm sure. Uh, so I'll table that for now. Yeah, sounds good. Um, all right, let's move into due to the week here. Breaking news as of this morning. Uh, my due to the week is Ryan Day, who was obviously a, a former BC coach. He was officially named the coach in waiting, or no, no longer the coach in waiting, but the official coach taking over for Urban Meyer at Ohio State. And Matt, it's just it's nice to see another you know Coach Adazio disciple getting a big job like that. It just kind of goes to show the uh, you know the coaching tree that he's uh, that he's planted there. I wish we could get some of the leaves and not the tree itself. Yeah, but in all seriousness, you know Ohio State's a uh, probably what top five, top ten job. Probably top five. I would say top five, and, yeah. And, and, and to get that at, at 39 years old is is pretty impressive. You know, it, it's funny. I, I I think I brought it up to you a couple episodes ago saying, you know, who would you want if not Daz? And I, I said, would you, you know, do you want Ryan Day? And this was before he lit up Michigan for, you know, 70 points or whatever. But the way that he left BC was just so – it was so underwhelming. You know, it, it wasn't like he was this hotshot coordinator. And I, I looked into this to try to discredit anyone saying, you know, Ryan Day, uh, Ryan Day should be the next BC coach. Um, but you think about what he did back in 2013 and 2014 when he was coordinator here. You know, he, he got Andre Williams into the Heisman discussion. He, you know, the, the whole Tyler Murphy experience completely you know, revamped the offense along with Coach Adazio. Um, he made, you know, Sherm Alston into a stud player who's now probably playing for Stony Brook or whatever, right? But he did a lot of really good things while he was coordinator here. And it's because uh, we, we didn't really appreciate him uh, for, for what he is. But obviously Ohio State does, and uh, that's their game. Yeah, no, I, I I think he would have definitely been the number one person on, on my list, at least that, you know, we reasonably could have thought of. So disappointing that he's off the table. And I think now that you go to Ohio State, unless he fails miserably, he's, he's out of uh, BC's you know consideration the rest of the way. So at this point, I don't well, ever want him to be why, a BC why, coach because – Why would he come here? Exactly. Our, our fan, our, why would he come here? Because our fans have already sent the message that, you know – being nationally ranked and, and, oh, and you know, please, in competing, competing for the ACC Our fans have sent the message Atlantic. that we're not okay no, with 7-5 and five against the, the worst ACC in, in history. You should be fired if you're if you're ranked for most of the year and competing for the ACC. We haven't so. competed for the ACC a who single take, year. Who would take this We job? haven't competed as for a, the ACC a well, single year. We haven't, as of three weeks ago, we were. We haven't so. – as of three weeks ago, then there are three games left that we lost all three of them conveniently. Who's your dude of the week, Matt? My dude of the week, and this is not great timing uh, or potentially could be. I don't know. Two, two on the hardwood, uh, Winston Tabs, freshman. I think he's the best player in the country right now by my metrics. Playing tonight against Providence, like we said, uh, huge game. But we're getting votes in the polls, which is exciting. Playing good basketball, fun basketball. Uh, this Tabs-Bowman is a must-see combo in the backcourt. Jarius is coming into his own. People forget we broke the story that he was committing to BC, but he's coming into his own slowly but surely. Uh, Pop, who's not playing tonight, looks like a much better Pop. Lots to be excited about. Uh, would have loved to have had that IUPUI game back and be undefeated right now going into this game. 
Uh, by the way, we're now or tied. All right, so we were up at the half. We're now tied with 14 minutes left. But overall, I'll take it. And then I'll say Chris Heron Jr., who was red hot in the first half, if he develops into like a stud, the national media would absolutely eat that story up. Uh, you know, kind of the uh, play up the Chris Heron story, which everyone yeah, loves. Yeah, they got the 30, 30 for – is it a 30 for 30, whatever it I is? I think it's officially a 30 for 30. Either that or it was an East 60. But, yeah, that would be huge. Uh, and then, Matt, I think one that we all can relate to here and, and we need some civility, common ground. So, a, a due to the week, somewhat belated. Uh, but my mother and all of the other uh, mothers or main hosts of the Thanksgivings uh, over the last couple of weeks, my mom was running around nonstop cooking for days. I'm sure all the other ones hosting were doing the same, uh, do far and away the most work, and everyone else gets to settle in and enjoy the day. So a shout out to them. Uh, and again, these were all easy choices because no one on the football field did anything dude worthy for me. Yeah, Matt, I'll echo that. Uh, obviously, gr- great time at Thanksgiving and shout out to the to the mothers, as you said. Um, going back to your, your basketball point there, um, it's a good segue into my pood because uh, my pood is the fact that while the basketball team is doing great things, well, they're doing okay things. They haven't really played anyone yet. Well, that Minnesota that's not true. Win Minnesota is a top is a top. I think fifty team or something like that. If okay. you go by most metrics, yeah, they're top probably a top two hundred team. No, they were like like four and fourteen in conference last okay. year. Okay, Minnesota, Minnesota was ranked like thirtieth coming into the game, but okay. Okay. Well, anyway, um, but but you know, outside of that, they haven't really had a, a great win other than the Mount St. Marys or whoever you know, Sister Jean, whatever that whatever that team is. Loyal so, Chicago jury's still out. Uh, Providence is even having a down year, so we'll, we'll wait to see what happens. Providence has team. two but, losses, and one of them is to Michigan, which is one of the best teams in the country. I keep interrupting you, but you're, 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 you're triggering me to this evening, so continue. Providence hasn't really been Providence the last couple of years, but anyway, this would be a good win. That's not they what I'm the saying. Tur- my poot, Matt, my, yeah, they were, they were a 10 seed last year. Matt, so we I haven't even sniffed them. the tournament in like a <laughs> lifetime. Well, I mean, they were, I think, the first one of the first four in last year, and we were one of the last 12 out, so whatever, it doesn't matter. Um, the poot, Matt, can I get back to my poot? The pood is that um, while the basketball team is doing great things and uh, Bowman's electric and all that, the fans aren't showing up, it seems like, to witness it. So my pood, I guess, is that, you know, all the momentum that was built up with, you know, BC being a great, uh, you know, college sports town with game day coming and everyone, you know, packing the house, all that's completely disappeared. As I said, the stands were empty at the Syracuse football game. And then basketball has been so embarrassing to the point that uh, Seth Greenberg called out the entire, you know, fan base last week saying, you know, you guys have, you know, this great team. You got Kai Bowman, this exciting team, and literally no one is there to watch it. I don't know what it is. I don't have a solution. Martin's doing everything he can, handing out free t-shirts and posters and all that. But it's, uh, it's just kind of ridiculous how students, we can't get more than, I don't know, 20 students to a game in a school that has, you know, 10,000 people. It's unbelievable. Yeah, I'm with you. It looks a little better tonight. Uh, they haven't done a bunch of big crowd shots, but, and, you know, obviously Providence draws some people, but the student side looks a little better, which is good. Uh, my dude, I'm going to go with, so obviously it didn't come to fruition, but I am a huge fan of, of coaching searches. It's something you never want to be a part of because it means something bad happened to get you there, but they're a lot of fun. So my dude is kind of all the hot seat talk, the rumor mills, and, and basically all of the message boards. Uh, just a great, Matt, a great community coming together. What do you got? Uh, watch the replay on this Stefan Mitchell. Oh, get out of there. That's gorgeous. Yeah. Oh, you're a couple seconds ahead, but yeah, yeah, you got it. Yeah, I did. Sorry, keep going. I did it. All right. Well, anyways, uh, I love the, again, the message boards were a lot of fun last week. I don't think anyone in the BC sports community did any work on Monday or Tuesday of last week because I think we all expected the news to drop. Uh, so we, you know, we're continuing to kind of refresh and, and get updates, but, uh, that actually segues nicely into my pood, which is, again, I mentioned it earlier, but the lack of transparency, uh, at a Martin Jarman. So 
This this is a dumb take, Matt. But why don't you give it, Matt? Your entire your entire argument around Adazio is a dumb take. So I think I'm entitled to a couple here, if that is the case. Uh, the- Martin's been your boy this entire year. I know he has. Now, now all of a sudden, because he's not addressing something that doesn't need to be addressed, is uh, is your poo? I, whatever. Keep going. Uh, look, I, I I I think that makes me a very fair uh, critic. Is that I commend him when he does well, and I'm honest when he does poorly. But uh, this is his first big time decision as an AD, as the leader of the athletic department, and, and one of the faces of the university. And he has gone completely silent. Uh, I don't think it's right. I mean, I, I, you know, again, I I guess I'll give the caveat of I don't know what he has communicated to uh, players or to uh, families or anything like that, but. To not be clear one way or the other, I don't think it's a I don't think it's a smart message. If you're not saying anything, the recruits out there are wondering, you know, is this guy a lame duck? Is he going to be back even after the bowl game? Uh, so I think you do need to kind of get behind him one way or the other, or get rid of him. Again, USC being the example, uh, I'll say it's possible. Like I said, that he was doing more behind the scenes than we saw, potentially calling prospective or, coaches like a Ryan Day, or, trying to lobby Leahy to take the buyout. But from what we saw, he sat on his hands while a very angry fan base was. Loudly looking for answers, rightly so, after a disappointing finish. Uh, I think to not offer any as a leader well, was, was a bad job. We'll get into it, but there's a reason that the message boards don't run the coaching searches and determine who's who's in charge and who's not. Um, but Matt, also, and, and this is you know a, a completely objective practicality thing. Uh, by not saying anything, it leaves a door open that if you know Adazio shits himself in the bowl, he can you know take action at that. If point that's the case, fair. Yeah, if that's the case, that's fair. But I, but, but I don't know. I don't. I, I. I. don't feel like that's on the table, to be honest. I think. I think if Boise State beats us by forty, I think Daz is probably gone, no question. But I don't know. We can talk Daz, you know, when we actually get into the courtroom here. My dude Matt is also related to Adazio. Made a huge hire today, big time hire, allegedly, because for whatever reason, uh, uh, Blods is the one that's reporting it. Yeah, so he's, he's an insider he says, again now. By the way, I don't yeah, know what, take what anything there. he says with a grain of salt. He talked about that contract that you know may or may not exist. Uh, but he was right. He was more right than we were, or you were, when you broke the story that Daz was probably gone. Anyway, I did not break the story. Uh, but, but, I reported news from the message board. Okay. Continue. Yep, 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 yep. Uh, but no reputable outlets have confirmed it, but it sounds like BC uh, is in position to hire uh, the offensive coordinator position, a 32, 32-year-old Rams assistant wide receiver coach and former UMass quarterback legend Liam Cohen. And it, it's just sort of exactly what we all wanted. It's exactly what the doctor ordered, this young, innovative coach that can also, you know, take over as quarterback coach and take AB to the next level. You know, all we need, and we'll talk about it, but all we need is someone that can complete throws. And, you know, when teams stack the box, stack the box against us, we just need someone that's going to make them pay and, and complete, complete balls consistently and open up some holes for Dylan. So if this is the, if this is the guy that can do it, you know, com- combine that with Dylan, combine that with the kind of the Rams up-tempo uh, offense that, you know, hopefully we're going to try to emulate. Uh, this offense is in for a big overhaul next year with this guy. And I love the direction that Coach Adazio has taken this program. I like a lot of what you said, and I, I, I don't like how you in general framed it. But yes, overall, I like the hire as well. Uh, we made our first ever endorsement from Fourth and Dude. We endorsed uh, former BCQB Paul Peterson for offensive coordinator. That did not come to fruition. I don't think he's ever going to take a job outside of the state of Utah again, which is fine. That's fully his prerogative. But he just transferred to another uh, low-level college in Utah from his role at a junior college. But he has been lighting up every offensive statistic that he can get his hands on. Uh, so I would have loved that. You know, you and I both endorsed him. But otherwise, I will take this again. The, the- it's a similar type of hire, I guess, in that 
you know, it's sort of an unknown. We're not going to get someone from an established program, obviously. It's, it's BC and our fans are crazy. Uh, but we're not going to get someone like that. So we need someone that and, – and I get it, right? People want someone that's called plays before. So that's a little bit risky with this Rams guy. But Peterson, you know, he's a head coach. He's, you know, been responsible for these huge Peterson offenses. would have been a home run. And you replace his game plan with, you know, athletes. And why can't it just be the same thing? So uh, that's why I really like – we both agreed on that for once. We both really liked Peterson. Um, would have been great to get someone like that. BC guy, obviously he was, you know, my hero when I was 13 years old or whatever it was back in 04. But I think, you know, no, you know he's, he's never going to leave Utah, as you said. So uh, I think, I think I, I'm, I'm really excited about this guy. 32 years old is very young, but he's kind of a, a, a legend around New England. Uh, UMass absolute, you know, broke every record in the book. So, uh, you know, a lot to like, a lot of upside with this hire. Yeah, no, I, I guess I, I can't disagree with that. Uh, it's, it's, I guess certainly is something to keep an eye on throughout the rest of the year. I won't get super optimistic just yet because I think there's a lot of issues other than just our offensive coordinator, but uh, certainly could have gone a lot worse. And, and you know, the hope is, is that, uh, you know, Adazio, if he is staying now, uh, acts as a true CEO and, and kind of gives authority and allows his uh, new OC to put in his own scheme rather than just kind of implement what's already been there. The only other thing I just want to quickly pick a bone on you you keep calling out why no one would want this job because the fans that's like a terrible take if you look at actual college programs and and the media pressure and the fan pressure a couple you know 20 to 50 people yelling on twitter and message boards is absolutely nothing in comparison to what it looks like when you go you know a disappointing seven and five at a virginia tech even or a miami so uh, i think that's overall a very bad well now you're playing both sides of the coin you're saying all the message boards should have prompted martin to make a you know, make an announcement. I now do. You're saying that's nothing. So, no, no, no. I don't know. I'm also mad. I'm saying it, it, when, you, it's, when you're talking about these programs, you're talking about programs that are capable of you know achieving ten win seasons that then go seven and five. Bingo. This has been the benchmark for BC for a long time, and to and, and it's the reason why every every opposing uh, team, that we, whether it's Clemson fans, whether it's Syracuse fans, saying. What are BC fans thinking trying to get rid of Adazio? He's, he's had them at this consistent level and, you know, we've, we've shown flashes of, of overachieving that and everyone knows we're really close. That's why everyone's saying, Oh, if you don't want him, we'll absolutely take him. Oh, you know? there's so. nobody in the world saying that you're right about. Also, number one, this is, you, you literally just basically put my entire argument on a platter for me saying, Oh, well, seven and five, like we can't expect to go any better than that. If that's your thinking, if that's your thinking that the best we can Not do at I Boston said. College is seven Not and five said. and that's our benchmark, then that is sad. I am sad for you as a, as a friend and as a Boston College fan, okay, uh, and I go. think you need to reread the mission statement. Here we go. No, and and I've said this for years now, Matt. You know that. What I've said is, I think we should be happy. And you, you and you, I, you're saying you that and, right Hold now. on, Matt. Can I finish my sentence? You and I, coming from the Spaz era, right? During while we were undergrads, knows know what it, knows what it's like to, you know, be you know get four wins a year, three wins a year, right? And to have the someone that can, you know, at worst, we'll, we'll get seven or eight wins. With the potential to get ten or more, that would be awesome. Um, exactly, I think we're pretty done, and that's what Matt, we'll how is, how is I think we're pretty how, close to that. How is that even been at worst? His best has been seven wins. He has never gotten more than seven wins. You can't say at best he'll get, he'll sometimes get you ten wins, and all he does is get you seven wins. He is Jeff Fisher in a in a on a college sideline. He is always going to go seven and five. Period. Yeah, I mean, agree to disagree. But but what has he shown you that that you disagree on? Because of how close we were to nine or, or ten wins, but, but did we get Dylan there? was healthy. No, of course, of course we didn't, Matt. Right, but I think you would agree we were pretty close. We have a healthy Dylan against NC State. We have a healthy Dylan against Florida State. That's nine right there, and we get ten with the ball. So yeah, I, that is. This is where you are very, very, very incorrect by just saying that you know these ifs and buts. Like coaches are the ones who ultimately need to figure this out. He said six years at it. We're not in the courtroom yet, so so these are all pre-trial arguments. 
But just know that you are very incorrect, and I think that everyone in the world thinks you're incorrect, except for your boy Mutrin. I think is the only one who, well, who happens you to know, agree you keep, with you. You keep Mutrin out of this. I'm just saying he's the only one who it, agrees. There's a you. reason people and, that and people actually know football agree with you. It's, by it's the way, Mutrin that. and it's Dan Rubin, who who BC by the way is on the bottom of both of their paychecks. So a little coincidental there, I'll just say. But uh, anyways. I'll go and Eagles in the wild here before you, we get you into can the attack room. me. You can attack my character. You you keep Scott Mutrin. I'm not attacking his character. I just think it's it's odd that the guy who is uh, you know paid by the BC Sports Network happens to be the only one that agrees with you. That's all. No, he calls it straight. He calls it absolutely straight. And it's the people that that know what it's like and know what they're talking about that are saying you know and and everyone the people that are, are loud are the people saying you know fire this guy. They've been saying fire this guy for years and years and years. And now here's their chance and people are starting to, you know, pile on. So I guess I get it from that standpoint. But I think there's people out there like me that, that share my, you know, share my opinion that it'd be way worse to blow it up rather than fire this guy blindly without even knowing who's out there. And but we just need this guy gone. So that's that's my that's my point. I think that's it's some people out there that are saying fire this guy. We'll figure it out rather than and, and Matt, if we if there's a slam dunk hire out there, let's get him. I'm cool with that. You know, as much as I love Daz, I'm cool with that. But I don't think that's out there. Okay. I think we're better off staying the course. Matt, this is the whole court. We've, we've kind of already we have, discussed no, no, this. I got, I got a lot more. It's, and again, I'm going to bring up your – But all, I, this, all this is inadmissible anyway. This is so. all inadmissible. You're absolutely right. This is all pretrial. This all right. does not count. Let's, Bang, by the way. Are we, are we, three for BC. We, we're backups four with nine minutes to go. So something to keep an eye on the rest of the so way So, Matt, here. this will be helpful when, when they're listening to this Thursday morning. <laughs> They'll be able to tell what happened in the game. All right. Eagles in the wild. Is that is that next? It is next. Let's just get this over with and then let's get into the courtroom. All right, you go first. All right, so uh, again, you know, in the in the sake of civility and trying to get us on the same page here a little bit, uh, I'm going to go with our late president George H. W. Bush. So he obviously just passed away this weekend. His daughter uh, Dorothy is a 1982 alum. So and he holds an honorary degree. So technically, he's an eagle in the wild. Um, but I think worth worth noting there. We don't have. I, I guess actually, BC. I feel like we have a ton of presidential connections, despite never having a president uh, actually attend. So I'll take it. Was that your Eagles in the Wild? Or was that your Poon? That was my Eagles in the Wild. Are you trying to make this a political thing or is it Poon because yeah, he's dead? Okay. All right. Uh, my Eagles in the Wild, Matt, is uh, two guys. One is Mike Rawlings, who was the former DN back in the 70s. Um, he, and he's the current mayor of Dallas. He's also the former CEO of Pizza Hut. But we do have an alum who is the current sitting mayor of Dallas. And also Steve, Steve Strahan, um, Connor's uncle, was the MVP of the Cotton Bowl back in 85. So those are two uh, – you know, old – not old. I shouldn't say old, but – Yeah, they're, they're old. old. I'll just say yeah, they're, yeah, old. they're old. Yeah, they're old. Don't, don't are, beat around the bush. That are applicable to Dallas and or Boise. Well, I guess Dallas mostly. Yeah, I think that's good. That that's, Those are actually uh, two very relatable ones for this week. I think we're we're both chomping at the bit to uh, open the courtroom doors here. So uh, shall we just move into the courtroom? Court is in session. So I'm going to make my opening arguments here as the uh, prosecutor. You are the defense attorney. Uh, so I think it's very important to break this down into two defense, two defenses for Adazio. So uh, two arguments you can make here there that you're going to attempt to make. What you're going to make my opening argument for me? No, I'm going to. I'm, I'm basically just going to back you into a corner here. So I think oh, there's is this a lawyer trick. All right, yeah, let's it do it. It is. I, I saw Matt. I saw a few good men. It was on TV uh, a couple nights ago. Is that so you? Can't, that's this. not you. Can't handle the truth. What's that? Yeah, one? It is. Oh, it is. All right. It sure okay. is. Yeah. So, so I think the argument you can make as a defense is one: he should not be fired because he is still the right coach to bring us to the promised land of ten wins, ACC champions, etc. Second yep. argument is 
he should not be fired this year because the right coach isn't available, like you said, and you'd rather keep stability than fire him now and just, you know. Which I've said is my argument this whole time. So I can live with that. But we need to make sure that's very clear and we're calling it what it is, that he is not a good coach and we have a right to be angry with with how these six years have gone. And we also need to draw a line in the sand and, and, you know, set a goal and say, all right, look, yeah, their coach wasn't available this year. But at a certain point within two years, there's a coach we can find that is better if we don't get to that eight regular season wins next year. Uh, so you're going to use the second one as your argument, which I actually appreciate because I think that well, no, finds some well, common so, ground there. So you just – that that what you just said there is an extremely reasonable argument, and that is that is the side that I'm on. It's hey, let's not blow it up when we have you know 95 percent of things that are pretty good. You know, Daz has built a pretty pretty damn good program that was in the cellar, uh, you know, not too long ago. Rather than blowing it all up because of a couple fluke plays and you know injuries, right? Um, and and you know let's let's fire them and then I don't know we'll, we'll, we'll hire some nobody you know there's a lot that goes into this and, and like I said earlier there's a reason that the people on the message boards are not the people that are in the ad's chair making the hiring and firing decisions okay so you're conceding then that you're he is not the coach that is going to bring us to ACC championship I don't think he's I don't think he's gonna be in the Hall of Fame no but I th- is he the right coach for BC right now based on what he's built and what and and I'll say and maybe this is a hybrid of, of what your argument number one is but yeah, I think this team is you know has a baseline of seven wins. This team, yeah, that's, this that's team an has important. A baseline that's an important. Uh, that's an important uh, disparity. This program, there. whatever. No, this program has a, a seven seven win floor with the potential to get more than that. But and I think I think I think if you ask the average uh, you know rational BC fan, they would absolutely take that. That means we're going to compete every year for the ACC. Um, you know, we're probably not going to win it when when Clemson's the second best team in the in the, in the country, but we can compete, right? And there'll be years where we have more than that. So you're so, but at so a, you at are, a baseline. We have seven wins. You, yeah. you are absolutely right. And if you say that, I think every rational fan would take that. If the floor is seven wins, and sometimes we will win more than that. But it absolutely. has been six years, and that has not once been the case that we've won more than that. And in fact, seven wins has not been the floor. Some have been six regular season wins. Obviously, there was the horrible two or three win uh, year, which I do think was somewhat of an outlier, though you could argue that he should have had a... a My dog was playing quarterback, Matt. I, I, I don't that's think fair. that's Daz's but, but, fault. But you're making... This is a, a complete straw man argument for you to say that seven wins is all of a sudden the floor and sometimes we'll win eight, nine, 10, 11, and 12 games. There has been nothing over six years that has been indicative that... A, besides your preseason, besides your preseason prediction that we were going to win, Matt, because you and I are insane people. Games? You and I are insane. No. Okay, so that's we are insane. <laughs> you can't plead insanity. I, I can't. Insanity I, does not work I, here. I can because we are we are not. Look, we are we are eternal optimists, and we always will predict ten and two, and that's never going to happen. And you and I know that. You and I know that it's been six years of this, and we know it's not going to happen. So to say seven wins is our floor, you know, is 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 just I think crazy and wrong. But I mean, if you were right, yeah, if you could say, look, Adazio is going to get you seven wins every year, and sometimes he'll get you nine or ten. Of course, we're taking that. But that's just not in any way whatsoever the truth. And you can't handle the truth. Oh, there it is. I was saving that for later. <laughs> Look, and I'll say this. All right. I'll give you some concessions, right? Like by BC standards, he's a good recruiter. Uh, he's a good talent evaluator, including assistants. And we do need to appreciate him for, I think, changing the national perception of, of BC football. Uh, he did that with the Vines and he got us out of the spaz basement. So, the, you know, there's always going to be some gratitude there. But I think like we've talked about as well is there's a difference between a coach who can take you from a, uh, a where we were to a stable program like we I'd say we, we currently are a stable program to a from a stable program to a 
competing program into a championship caliber program. And he's not the guy for that. He's the guy for that middle step. And that's a very valuable role to play at a lot of programs as it was at BC six years ago. But with where we are now, we're just continuing to ram our head against a wall uh, with a 500 coach. And that's kind of the extent of it. All right. Well, I mean, I just, I guess I disagree with a, a couple things there. Um, you, you talked about stability and I agree. It's exactly what, what Daz has provided. The, the like, I mean, and, and, I guess the, the best way to put it, right? So he, he in, in years one and two, he brought this team from a three-win team to a consecutive seven-win teams, right? To say that he can't take it further than that, to, to make a seven-win team a 10-win team or, or beyond, is a little ridiculous. You look at guys like, I don't know, David Cutcliffe from Duke, right? Who competed in, you know, in the Coastal when the Coastal didn't suck as bad as it did. You know, that was a program that was perennially in the cellar. He brought them up to 500 for a couple of years. And then he built on that. He, you know, he recruited the right guys. Got a quarterback, Matt. Got a got a freaking quarterback that could throw the ball. And all of a sudden, they're competing for championships back to back years. You know, the whole seven win ceiling thing, I think, is a complete joke. And but Matt, it's been six years of it, so it's not a joke. Well, no. So it's, I mean, the first three years are are pretty much non-existent, right? So, so years one and two, you know, huge huge transformation. Twenty fifteen was a joke, as we talked about. We'll count that, you know, as as not even really counting. Um, and then he started to build his program. And 2016, Patty Toll, shout out, um, you know, a, a team that was still, you know, developing talent wise, but I think he probably overachieved to go 500, even though they got blown out by the big dogs. I'll, I'll concede that. Um, but I guess the period that I really want to focus on, Matt, is the coach he's become since midway through 2017. Um, you know, since the, the the Louisville game, right, where, you know, we, we revamped the offense a little bit. We figured out where our strengths were. We realized that we had A.J. Dillon, which certainly helps. Really, since that time, this team and, and you know all the analysts have, have taken notice. This is a team that you know is able to compete in the top twenty-five, and when we saw you know success with that this year, we were ranked several times. We beat some good teams. We talk about Miami and, and Virginia Tech, who had down years, but those are still very, very talented teams. And and I know we talk about game management all the time, but he's really not that bad of a game management coach. You know, the, the Florida State punt thing was was talked about ad nauseum, which I still think could, could have gone either way. You know, in, in hindsight, obviously, there's a right call and a wrong call, whatever. The old Daz, yeah, was, was not a great game, game manager. But all your points of, of when he's a bad game manager are from like 2015, 2016. The Georgia Tech game was like the last one, right? So I, I think everyone would agree that, you know, we win at least one or two more games this year with a healthy Dylan. And I honestly think it, it could be more than that. Um, so that's nine wins there, as I said, with 10, you know, 10 with, with, a, with a chance to win 10 in a ball game with injuries too. injuries affect BC. Matt, stop. You got to stop blaming injuries. Injuries happen everywhere. They happen at Northwestern this year and they made it to the Big Ten championship. Yeah. A.J. Dillon is Matt, a phenomenal player. A joke but like, conference, that, side of, that side of it's a, an absolute joke. Injuries, but you, can't, injuries but you can't just blame injuries. But injuries hurt BC way more than they hurt other programs. BC can't, they don't have a bench of, of four and five star players. You know, we recruit undersized guys that take time to develop. So, you know, when, it, when especially when A.J. Dillon goes down, A.J. Dillon was our team this year, Matt. You know that. We said that Episode one, you don't have the depth at BC. You, you never will because you recruit the two stars that you then develop for a couple of years. You know, you get them in the weight room and you develop them. And, you know, but, but like you said, every team drops off with, with injuries too. We, we talk about Penn State losing Saquon Barkley, right? They, they suck this year. You know, Lamar Jackson, obviously you lose him. And he's, I would say Dylan's just as valuable to BC as Lamar was to Louisville last year. And now, you know, all of a sudden they're a, a two or three win program, right? So, I don't know. I, I think you, you can blame injuries to an extent. And I think we'd all be interested in seeing what this team has in it, um, you know, fully loaded. 
And uh, unfortunately, we didn't get to see that this year. But I think if, if we do, and if we figure out the quarterback situation, I'm still very down on Brown. I do think we have a couple good guys coming in that could be the solution. I really think that's the missing piece. And to blow it up now when we have, I would say, 90% of the pieces in place, all we need is, is, is either a quarterback or an offensive coordinator, who hopefully is this uh, Liam Cohen guy, right, who can make defenses pay when we're you know slamming the ball down their throats in the run game that can make defenses pay when there's not in the box. That's all we need, and we're on the road to 10-2. And and, uh, I think it would be very, very ill-advised to blow that up right now and start from scratch. Okay, so first of all, a couple of things here. Number one, you completely contradicted your original argument where you said that you know we should hold on to him because there's not a better option out there currently in this class. You're, what did I say that? You just made – you just made the argument that he is the coach that's going to get us to 10 wins, and he, he is the coach that's going to get us to the championship. I wouldn't be saying we should keep him otherwise, but I'm not saying he's going to, well, he's going to bring you, in a national If you say keep him because Ryan year. Day's not available, that's fine. But if you don't keep him because you think he's going to be, you know, he's he's going to win you ACC championships, because that's just crazy. Oh, he's I, had seven. He had a seven-win team last year. So you said he can take seven-win teams into 10-year team. He had a seven-win team last year, and he did nothing with them in a far, far, far worse ACC this year. To me, you know, if we want to look at sample sizes, yes, I agree. The back half of last year, it was a different coach. It was a different, you know, it, 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 he was coaching differently, and he was coaching well. He was Definitely coaching more aggressively this year than he was prior to, I'd say, the second half of last year. But it was still materially different than how he looked at the second half of last year. And he did revert to a lot of his old ways. And I think we saw that manifested in a lot of different forms this year. But again, the ACC will never be this bad. He has never had this much talent. Even if you, even if there was, you know, AJ Dillon talent, was hit Matt, by a bus. He recruited bust. the talent. He developed Matt, the talent. Matt, we said he's a good, we said that. But that doesn't mean anything if he can't get more than seven wins out of this talent. That doesn't mean anything if he develops it. He's a great recruiter, and that's why he was a coordinator on a, on a national championship winning staff because recruiting is a big piece of that. But you need a coach to actually be able to get the most out of it, and he is just not that guy. There is no way you can spin it. He's 500 overall. He is 30% in the ACC. He's 1 in 16 Which against top bad, 25. Considering where He's he 1 in 13 against Florida State, Notre Dame Clemson. He's 1 in 3 against bowl games, 2 in 4 against Syracuse, for God's sakes. No matter how you spin it, he has not done anything to put us anywhere near the level that we as BC fans want to be, period. It's that cut and dry. Okay. So so disagree. When you take a team that's three and nine, uh, it's going to take some time to, to develop the program, build the program. No, it didn't. no he, one, he, anyone he that built knows college football. He had seven wins over six that. years the first year. He had six wins the first yeah, year. With, that's with, a credit with to him. With band-aids and good coaching and good. And, and an ACC and an ACC running back. Well, yeah, who, who led the same team to three and nine the year before. He turned that into a seven win program. And then he found Ty- Tyler Murphy. Everyone knows that, right? But this was, it was always going to take time to rebuild it the way he wanted to. And, and everyone's, you know, when you talk about the, the six year window, you know, three or four of those years are, are still in the rebuilding mode. So yeah, he's going to be 500. It's actually, he's now it's actually had, he's not now that had three bad. cycles Man, I, of his players. If you focus, what? He's had three cycles, three full four year cycles now in year six. Yeah. And I, I would say over the last year and a half, you know, we, we've become a ranked program. We've had college game day. A lot of good things have happened. And we're very close. You wouldn't have predicted this team to be ten and two at the beginning of the year, otherwise, Matt. And 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 we predict that every year. We predict that in the goddamn Troy Flutie year. Yeah, that's a good point. But that doesn't really help your argument either. I don't think. Um, it just kind of makes you insane. You talked about stability, right? So so what's the alternative? And no one can give me a name other than Ryan Day, who I agree, you know, would have been a good solution. Obviously, um, no one can give me a name that we a, a better person to put in there than right now. So I don't know if you if you've come up with any uh, since we last spoke or not. Again, if, if if and that's a different argument. If your argument is 
hold on to him because Ryan, we called Ryan Day and Ryan Day said, you know what? No, you're kidding me. I'm going to take five million from Ohio State rather than two million from BC. Fine. I can live with that. And, and I can live with it if we're saying, you know what? We're only going to settle for our top choice because we'd rather have two years of an opportunity here so we can try this year. Didn't get our top choice. We can try that's next what we're year. Arguing. That's exactly what we're, we're arguing. You're arguing what that he's going to get us to 10 and 2 and he's going to get us to an ACC championship. I, I don't think and that is where you're flat out insane. For him to get to 10 wins. But Matt, this team next year, by the way, is going to take a huge step back. The ACC is only going to get better. We're losing a ton on our line. Yeah, our I, I wasn't that going to be begin with, by the way. Petru- this is like a five better, win team better next better when Petrula's at center. We still got Little Lindstrom, uh, Phillips, Elijah Johnson, and Vrabel, by the way. So I don't, I don't think the line's going to drop off at all, actually. Might actually be better um, based right, on how I do want to limit this, by the way. I do want to limit this to like three more minutes because this has gone on for a while and clearly I'm not going to change your mind. No, none of us are. But look, you know, we talk about development as well. He has had six years to not develop a kicker or a quarterback. That's on him. Agreed. Uh, and it's boring Agreed. football, and I'm by saying, the way. It's not fun uh, to watch. He does 90% of the things right. Those are two that he hasn't. And if he can do those two very small things, it's so much easier to fix those two very small things to blow up the program. But it's not that easy. It's been six years and he hasn't fixed it or done any indication that he's fixing it, Matt. That, this is the problem here is that you're, you're, you're right. Like there are Would you a rather recruit a kicker things. or completely overhaul the program, lose the recruiting, lose the state of New Jersey, lose Campanelli and your standout assistants? What would you rather do? Isn't it easier to recruit a, a kicker and get someone that can figure out how to throw a pass? There are a couple identifiable things that I agree. If we fix them and if, and if they could do the things that seem so obvious, I agree we'd be in great shape. But it's been six years and there's been no indication of that happening. Right. And that's the issue is that we have not seen. And, and again, you can use past results to indicate future performance in this case and, and, you know, on the behavioral side of things. And we've seen nothing that will uh, allow that. He continues to make the same excuses, youth injuries, et cetera. Do you don't want to see and, how it works with this 32 year old offensive coordinator? Do you, do you want to blow it up before we see what actually happens with this, with this new young guy from the Rams that can, uh, can figure out how to develop a quarterback? So he's your answer now. We're hoping this guy was never, you know, again, I'm excited about this hire as well. That was the problem with this team was, was, you know, the offensive, the play calling wasn't great. Um, do you think honestly, the do, do you honestly think, the do you, do, tell me honestly, do you honestly think that Adazio is going to let this guy come in day one and say, you know what? I'm hands off the offense this year. You do what you got to do. I think you'd I'm be not, an idiot to hire someone. You'd be an idiot to hire someone from the I don't want to run AJ Dillon 40 times a game on 75% of first downs, run, th- you know, run, 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 got to get two yards of play. You're crazy if you think that. I, I think you'd be an idiot to think that we'd hire someone from the Rams to not change our offense a little bit. Uh, but I guess that's the story for another time. Last thing I'll close with here, Matt, is, as I said it several times, um, and everyone gets caught up in the message boards and Twitter and all that, but there's there's a very important reason why the athletic director picks the coach and it's not the fans on the message boards. Um, otherwise, we'd be stuck with uh, Bob Diaco in 2013. So I don't know. I think obviously public perception isn't great right now um, for you know whatever the, the message boards think. But I think if you take a step back and you look at all the positives that are currently ongoing with this program, you think about the potential that these guys have for the next couple of years, you get some awesome recruits coming in. And as you said, this team is stable right now. But I, I'm making the argument that this team is stable with the ceiling to go a lot higher than seven wins. And I think that you're out of your mind if, if you don't if you don't see that. And if you're not excited for this program, um, with Dylan coming in as a junior, hopefully healthy next year, um, sky's really the, the ceiling for this team. Hopefully a new quarterback or, or someone that can develop AB. That's all we're missing. And, uh, and, you know, Clemson is going to take a step back. In my mind, Matt, this is going to be a hot take, but I could see us competing for, for the ACC Atlantic next year. No question in my mind. I, I, that is an absolutely atrocious opinion. And again, there's nothing in six years that has indicated that. Look, and I'll close with this as well. 
Uh, I no longer have any reason to be confident about this team going forward with him at the helm. I think we're always able, like we talked about, to talk ourselves into these 10-win seasons, often because there is optimism for how the season ends and, and also just because we're crazy. But this year broke the mirage for me, so to speak. Adazio will never be the guy to guide us to 10 wins, to an ACC championship, to a New Year's Six, et cetera. And I'll be the first one and the happiest one if somehow we we uh, turn this around and, and I'm wrong next year. But if we're okay with mediocrity and, and we're okay with just you know running a clean program that consistently graduates our guys and gets us to a low-tier bowl game – you know, that that is what it is, and there's nothing we can do about that. And I do fear that that's kind of Leahy's opinion on it. But that is directly in contrast to, you know, the whole ever to excel. And it's in directly contrast to Jarmon's, you know, 10-step plan, basically saying I want football to be top 25, you know, every year and, and trying to buoy $150 million. So I'm exhausted. Quite frankly, I'm done with this era, and I just have no reason to be optimism any forward. Are we going to change the name of the show? Are we going to change the logo and and, and well, all I that? What about the koozies, man? What do we do with but, the koozies? Uh, uh, I, my, my personal opinion was that if we fired him, I was still going to keep the name because it's more work to change a brand. It's like, you know, you'd, you'd rather keep an existing customer than get a new one type of thing. But again, spin zone your way all you want. And, and the fact that he, you know, has his boisterous personality and you think that's a good reason to pay him two and a half million dollars. But no, my reason Matt, I don't know is because he does 90% night. of I don't things know how you right. Sleep at night. And it's way easier to fix the small things that are wrong with this program than, uh, than blow it up completely and, you know, stare at a, a two-win season for the next couple of years while someone, some unknown tries to rebuild, some name that no one can provide that would be a better option than Steve right now. But anyway, Look, I think and, that, I think and, that and, and if your it. argument, again, like I said, if your argument is I'm waiting for the right coach to come around next year, fine. But otherwise, someone it's, that's it's better disappointing than, than the current coach we have. Yeah. Someone that's worth blowing it up. Yes. Absolutely. I don't know okay. that guy's out there, but uh, I guess we'll see what happens. All right. All well, right. let's enjoy more more Jeff Fisher of college football. Okay. All right. Let's talk I, Boise. Um, I'm going to go with my Boise fun fact. Hang on. You have to adjourn the court. This was, uh, uh, you know, you can't you can't throw decorum out the window just because it's been contentious. Well, what if the jury's uh, still out, Matt? That's that's kind of what I think. So I think that's that's fitting. Well, you're the lone holdout. You're you're the lone. It's eleven people are agreeing, and you're the holdout here. So you're the reason that this is going to be a mistrial. Well, it's got to be unanimous. So, um, all right. So court is adjourned. Um, and let's talk Boise. All right. So I'll, my fun facts, kind of low-hanging fruit here. And we're running out of show here, Matt. So we got to fly through these. Fortunately, they have some of the worst alum, as we'll touch on. Um, so it should be pretty quick on some of the uh, the not football BS here. Everyone knows that Boise has the, the blue home turf. Did you know that in 1986, the new AD, Gene Bleemeyer, decided that he was going to spend um, – that if he was going to spend a million dollars on AstroTurf, he was going to flip the metaphorical bird at college football and make it blue. So that's the origin of the blue turf. I didn't know that. Hopefully that's a fun fact for you guys as well. Interesting. Uh, I have that Boise State is the only master's degree in the country in raptor biology. So that's cool. And then in the state of Boise, not necessarily the university, but in the, or I'm sorry, the city of Boise, it is illegal to ride a merry-go-round on Sunday. So that's not quite the- Legal or no, illegal? Illegal. That's not quite the no ice cream in the pants law that I think North Carolina had. Similar. But uh, pretty good second. Okay. Uh, so next up, we have never played the Broncos, uh, the Boise State Broncos, in the fourth and dude era. So as a result, um, we are ranking the top five Bronco alumni. And this list is horrible. In my one hole here, Matt, I'm going to go with Clement Leroy Otter, um, who goes by Butch, Butch Otter. Um, he's the current governor of Idaho. Great. Uh, Graham DeLott with the number two pick, uh, current PGA Tour golfer. I wouldn't have expected him to be uh, any good, but like he's a recognizable name, so I would have expected uh, him to be better than he is. He is absolutely horrible. He's only played in one Masters or U.S. Open, both cut. He always uh, finishes finish. like DFL, which is just dead effing yep. last. He always finishes exactly. DFL in tourneys. 
Exactly. Yeah. He, he was six, his best finish was 68th at the British. He had one top 10 at the PGA, zero PGA tour wins, three Canadian tour wins, but somehow 11 million career earnings. So that's a hell of a racket there. Uh, it's a career I need to find myself into. And then I will go, uh, Earl Bowen. He's an actor who has appeared in the Terminator, uh, in an early episode of Seinfeld. And he is the narrator in World of Warcraft. All right, Matt, uh, nothing to add on those. Uh, my four hole here is going to be Jared Zabransky, um, which is cheating. We, we say we, we're not allowed to do a uh, football player alum, uh, but he was the quarterback during the famous Fiesta Bowl um, when they knocked off Oklahoma and probably one of the best college games of all time. He also was on the cover of NCAA football back in 2008, I believe. Um, Matt, you already took my, my fifth hole, Graham DeLott, so that just goes to show you just how bad these alum were. I'm also going to throw in Troy Merritt, who was also just a, an average, underwhelming PGA Tour golfer. So, yeah, I mean, usually I can come up with a fun fact or something here, but I just I, got I, I got nothing. Okay, I'm going to go with my last one here. Uh, I'm going to go with a guy by the name of Michael Hoffman. He's directed 13 movies. Uh, I haven't heard of any of those movies, but they had actors such as Hugh Grant, Patrick Dempsey, Robert Downey Jr., George Clooney, Sally Field, Helen Mirren. So clearly he's doing something right. Again, have not heard of any of his movies, to be clear. A couple honorable mentions for you. They have a guy named Gary Bennett, who was a NASA manager, not an astronaut. That's why he's an honorable mention. Matt, they have a guy uh, named Gus Johnson, but not that Gus Johnson. Yep, I noticed that as well. A uh, kid by the name of Jay Liu, who graduated at the age of 12 with a BS in math. So shout out to my fellow Bachelor of Science math majors. Not many of us at BC. I you got a Again, BA. A Can you get a BA in math? No, it was a BS in okay. math. I double major. I got a BA in economics. Okay. Again, not a big deal. Uh, Jens Pulver, or maybe Jens Pulver, first ever UFC lightweight champ. Uh, I'm not a big MMA guy by any means, but they have him. And they went another Matt, MMA let's... guy, Scott Jork Hansen. That's all I got. Okay. Pretty terrible across the board. Yeah. So, Matt, I, I looked up. I was like, it must be like a, a 3,000 undergrad school. 20,000 undergrad go to that yeah, school. They should yeah, have, they should and have that's someone the best who we can better. do. It's, it's, it's yep. unbelievable. You know, at some point I was, I was thinking, and this is a good segue into travel ability. Um, at one point, it was on my list to travel to all 50 states. I don't think there's anything in Idaho for me. I think that's if this they list have any, like, shows ski anything. resorts. I don't know. No, they might they have got, some ski resorts or something like that. and blue football fields. I think that's about yeah. it. Um, okay. All right. So with that, we'll go into our travel ability rankings. Obviously, this is not really a, a top tier bowl. It's not a bowl that I had ever really heard of before. Before uh, it was announced on Sunday, it's Dallas. Dallas, I, I think, might be cool, but I, I don't know. I don't think there's all that much going on. Austin would be a different story, obviously, but. But Dallas is kind of eh. Um, it's a one thirty kickoff, I believe. If I did the Central Eastern time conversion correctly, is that correct, Matt? One thirty? Uh, I believe so. Okay. But I actually have been very confused as well. It's a somewhat cool opponent, um, Boise Bluefield. They've been kind of a powerhouse of the last decade or so. The Fiesta Bowl, again, as I said, was was one of the coolest games of all time. So to play them in a bowl, um, and obviously we have history with them that we'll touch on. But you know, we were prepared to go to you know Orlando. Nashville, especially, you know, Annapolis, maybe even El Paso, right? It's a good enough bowl. Mm-hmm. Um, we ain't going to Dallas on Christmas Day. I have 12.6 uh, RVs there, Matt. That's way too high. So first thing I'll say is that the bowl selection process, like the ACC, the way they do it is like an absolute mess. We were the one conference that last Sunday no one could get a read on. People were pretty much like waiting – they had all the other selections in so that, you know, whatever, let's say they had Boise here, but they had no idea who they were going to play because they can't figure out the ACC selection. It's a mess. You can jump teams with like a one, you know, one win difference, whatever. But regardless, it shouldn't have been a question for us. Like you said, we should have been a lock for tier one or camping, limping in. But with that said, it is better than it could have been with Detroit or Shreveport. So overall in a vacuum, huge win for the bowl against a top 25 opponent, not uh, one of those terrible 
uh, destinations. But I'm just super apathetic right now the way the last three weeks have gone. It's very hard for me to get excited about this game. And I'll say it's also a bad job by BC, like trying to call it the Cotton Bowl. You're saying, oh, BC is heading to the Cotton Bowl. They technically are. The name of the stadium, but not the New Year's Six Bowl. So we got some flack on Twitter for that, and rightly so. Matt, just seems if you like an had heard at the beginning of the year that we were going to the Cotton Bowl without Dylan, wouldn't that be pretty yeah, impressive? Be You'd be, you know, we'd be throwing Daz a parade. Yeah, but it turns out, yeah, it turns out it's not the right Cotton Bowl. Um, but anyways, the way we limped in day after Christmas, lack of excitement I have. I'm going 6.4. Like, I am not even looking forward to – I'm barely looking forward to watching because I have a little expectation that it's going to be enjoyable for us. Um, but I can't even imagine getting on a plane at, what, 7 a.m. the day after Christmas to fly down there. Yeah, or even – I mean, really, you have to do it the night before for a, a 1.30 kickoff. Mm-hmm. You want to get the full experience. Matt, I'm excited or, – or I think collectively, fourth and dude, the fourth and dude team's excited um, since we're not going to, you know, to not get punched in the face this year at, at the yep. bowl game. Um, yeah, so we, that's, we had a one-year streak. That'll die. Yeah, so that's refreshing. Um, for for the individual between the fourth and dude team that got punched. Um, anyway, let's talk football. Um, let's talk some Boise. Boise State's uh, ranked opponent, which I think is cool, Matt. Um, they're ranked 23rd in the country. They're making their 17th straight bowl appearance, which I think is one of the top streaks going in the country. They just narrowly missed out on the Fiesta Bowl. I don't know if you guys were watching on Saturday, but I think if Memphis had knocked off UCF and if they had finished the job against Fresno State, they would have landed the Fiesta Bowl. So I think they're sort of in a similar, you know, underwhelmed position that we are. Um, they're led by Brett Rippon, who I think is in his eighth year at Boise. Um, he's the Mountain West Conference all-time leader in passing guards. They also have a great running back, Alexander Madison, who ran wild on Fresno last weekend, 200 yards. So they, they got some offensive firepower that we'll have to watch out for. Um, but they're a well-balanced team. They're top 40, both offensively and defensively, um, efficiency-wise. A very well-rounded program, like us. Their special teams are suspect. Their defense has also been banged up over the last few weeks. So I was watching them on Saturday, and, and you know I was I was impressed. They they really outplayed Fresno State, who's not a bad football team. Um, they deserved to win that game, which is frustrating. I, I bet I bet some money on Boise State, but they, they looked pretty good. It was snowing. It was kind of a wild game, but I, I really think Boise's a really good team. I think it'd be a great test for the Eagles, and uh, I guess we'll see what happens. But I think matchup wise, we're gonna have to play a pretty good game if we want to uh, keep this one close because uh, they can put up points. Yeah, I'm with you. So Boise's currently two and a half point favorites, um, which to be honest, I think is even conservative because I, I do think they're a, I think they're a much better team than us, to be honest, especially the way we've looked of late. Like you said, one of the best, uh, pass run combos in the, in the, uh, in the country right now. Brett Rippon is the nephew of former NFL quarterback Mark Rippon, Offensive Player of the Year in the Mountain West. Top 10 in completion percentage at a nice 69%, 35, almost 3,600 yards, almost uh, 29 touchdowns. And then Madison complements that with 1,200 yards and 16 touchdowns, and he's been red hot over his last five. 460 yards per game, that's that's a lot. And that's going to be a big challenge for our defense and one that I'm uh, very concerned with, especially with, again, how we've looked of late. Uh, and especially on the explosive play side of things, we've done a really bad job with explosive plays over the last three weeks. And uh, I think with a quarterback like this, that could be something they take advantage of. Their defense overall uh, right in the middle of the pack, but they have trended up significantly over the last four games, shut their opponents down to 17.8 points per game over the last four. But look, at the end of the day, they're going to score a ton. We'll score, but I don't think we can keep pace with them. I'll just go right into my prediction. Are you loss here, Matt? Yeah, I am. Wow. I think it's the first time, first time ever. About that? And I, and I think it speaks to how I am feeling right now about the program, but I don't see us pulling this off. I got Boise 38 to 31, and it's just a really deflating and terrible way to end a terrible end of the, what was at one point such a bright and promising uh, season. Wow. How about that? 
Shout out to the people that come to this podcast for optimism and, and you know. None, to, you won't find any on this side. Well, yeah, I guess so, Matt. All right. So I'll, I'll just, I'll give you my, I guess, more realistic, not whatever the, the word is there, um, not anti-DAS. Uh, I don't think realistic is, I, I'll say, I don't think realistic is the word you're looking for. I got to be honest, okay. but okay. All right. Uh, so, so I think the key to the game is to, you know, like I said, they're, they're you know, a, a pretty, pretty solid offense, right? So. Uh, you want to make Rippon's life miserable back there. Um, and the key, hopefully, uh, Zach Allen and Wyatt Ray are, are not only healthy, but, you know, we're fully, uh, are full go to, to play. You know, obviously with bowl season, you never know which seniors, especially the ones that are getting looks at the NFL draft, they're going to sit it out. You know, obviously Harold didn't play in ours last year. Um, so we'll see what happens there. But if we can get, you know, pressure in the backfield on the end while not giving up, you know, the middle of the field, like we did to Q's, uh, in the run game, that's really the key. I don't, I don't think, you know, there's much else to say there. I think our cornerbacks obviously, you know, didn't play their best game last game against Q's. So I think it really comes down to the defensive side of the ball. If we can make sure that happens, we can hold them, you know, in the, in the 20 to 30 range. And I think our offense, you know, is capable, right? Their, their defense gives up a lot of points. Um, they gave up 41 to a bad Oklahoma State team. Uh, they gave up 38 to Air Force. So there's been some, uh, some defensive letdowns uh, on that side of the football. Last time we played these guys, we didn't touch on it, but we played them back in 05 in the MPC Computers Bowl. I'm sure everyone remembers that one. It was a one-possession game. It wasn't really as close as, it, as the final score was, but it, it was you know one possession. I think it'll be similar. I got BC 38, Boise 35, and somewhat of a shootout. It'll be an exciting game. I saw one ranking that listed it you know, with the top five or six most, yeah, most entertaining wild, huh? games. Yeah, so Matt, it's not just you and your negativity. Other people are interested in, in, in this program, so it's exciting. Yeah, because um, other people other people just the last time they've heard of us was on game day. They didn't realize what happened the uh, following two weeks, so I guess I can't blame them. Okay, so that's I think that's a wrap on the season. Uh, it was a great year for 90% of it. Obviously, it was a couple slips down the stretch, um, but I don't think we should uh, necessarily blow it up and start over as, as we talked about. I think there's a lot to be excited still about this team, the recruiting class coming in, and We'll, uh, we'll still be active on, on Twitter and the like and maybe, you know, throw a couple quick episodes here and there throughout basketball season if these guys are, are, are the real deal. It seems like we're, we're in overtime right now, losing 92-89, three minutes to go in overtime. We'll see what happens in this Providence game. But anyway, uh, usual Follow us on Twitter. I guess you guys probably already do if you're listening. Yeah, and I'll also throw in a plug here again for our guys at Eagle Insiders. So they're going to have all of your previews and breakdowns for all things First Responders Bowl. Uh, they're going to have it all taken care of. So you kind of could say, Matt, that they're the first responders of the First Responders Bowl. So hey, credit to them if, there. Hey, nothing else. We're team first responder over here. I, I think it's actually a great bowl for us. I think that's a great cause. And uh, so that's that's the silver lining for you there, Matt. Yeah, I mean, I'm not like a huge Fiesta Tostitos guy, but I'd rather be in that bowl, for example. So there it is. Uh, so the truth comes out about you truth comes and out. your attitude yeah. about first responders. Got it. Yeah, I guess. I prefer Tostitos chips and oranges and uh, everything else that comes with that. And roses. Everyone likes roses. Anyways, uh, I got to be honest, Matt, of, of all the days to be a dude, these last few weeks have uh, been by far the least great, at least for me. I know you're still staying on this ship for uh, you know for longer than I think you should, but... I'd say it's no better time for the boys to change the narrative than than during a Christmas in Texas, but I think you got to give your closing line anyways. Yeah, Matt, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give it unapologetically. I think there's a lot to be excited about this program. Not everyone can see it right now, but, uh, you know, it is what it is. Thanks again for listening. Uh, you guys are, are the best fans in the world. And, uh, Matt, can you set me up? I can't just say it. Can you, can you say something first? Uh, Matt, it's uh, it's been a really bad couple few weeks. So are we going to change it up down in Texas? Matt, it's always a great day to be a dude. <laughs> <laughs>